We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Book their place in the final as poor Alvaro Morata rehabilitates his reputation and then destroys it again in the space of an hour. This is the Arsenal Vision Eurovision Eurovision Euro 2020 Daily. I'm not re-recording it. We're just gonna go. You know what? It's been a heck of a tournament and uh, mine's melted a little bit. But here we are. Uh, poor Alvaro Morata. He uh, silences his critics and then he, uh, whatever the opposite of silencing them is, gives them a megaphone again, missing a penalty. But. All in all, a thoroughly absorbing semifinal that goes 120 minutes in penalties, despite Italy at times, especially in extra time, looking like they needed a nap. Uh, but they do ride their luck, survive it, get through on penalties, and will face to be continued. That's right, England, Denmark tomorrow. Eagerly anticipated. We may um, may do a live stream ahead of that. I'm trying to find people who will be sober to do that with me. So stay tuned for that. By the way, Sackadelic. Uh, it seems like everybody's doing it, but uh, that amazing... Sack on the unicorn thing. Brandon McKenna hand drew a rendering of it and then created this beautiful psychedelic background for it. It's on our shop. Uh, if you want it on like a mug or a shirt, a hoodie, a sustainable hoodie, I should point out, a phone case. So you can go to arsenalvisionpodcast.com. You'll see it on the homepage there. Or you can just uh, click the shop link and it'll take you right to it if you want one of those to celebrate the, <laughs> it says here, mythical being with immense powers and an inflatable unicorn. If you get the joke. Anyway, a few spots left for the Vegas event. Footballfest2021.com if you want to go to that. So all of the um, administrative nonsense out of the way. Let's dive in and do the podcast with Phil. You can find him on Twitter at underscore Phil Costa. Hello, Phil. Hello, Elliot. We're the, back again. I, I mean, you got to admit, the this that is one hell of of an image of Saka riding a unicorn, right? Oh, it's brilliant. I just love him so much. I want to like die for him mm. yeah i mean i i just I, I love him i I would like to be his father but i'm the father of two wonderful girls so i will settle for being his fan and, and that's good enough um speaking of fans fans have not been particularly kind to Murata. i have to admit like i you know i tend not to, to worry too much about fan sentiment but i felt really good for Murata getting the goal to equalize then missing the penalty oof a bit of an oof moment for him there so let's go back 
to the start of this game because that's usually how you analyze mm-hmm. these things. And, you know, I have to admit, I thought that this game would maybe be a little more balanced, but it really was a case of Spain being able to impose themselves in possession on Italy. And at times, I was pretty stunned at how deep Italy were sitting, but there were still those warning signs that they could hit on the break. And I'm curious if you think it was the plan. I mean, not not that playing on the counter wouldn't be the plan, but it was the plan to be that deep. Or do you think Spain really were that good and maybe forced Italy back more than they would have liked to? Yeah, I think it's the latter. I think after a good kind of opening 10 minutes where Italy were like really pressing hard, steaming into challenges, they looked way sharper than Spain. And I think... Um, you know, after those early sort of sparring moments, I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, Spain haven't woken up at all here. And then slowly, slowly, they managed to get Busquets on the ball. They managed oh, to get Pedro good. on the ball. You know, their, their ability to control the ball and manipulate it and move it in tight areas is, is second to none. I mean, you know, they had like the Italy midfield pressing really hard and fast and they were just kind of bypassing them with ease. So I think... It was kind of an adjustment on both sides where Spain managed to wrestle back control. Um, but Italy were also kind of comfortable uh, sitting back into that shape after their kind of early tirade, shall we say. Mm. I mean, it isn't Busquets, Xavi and Iniesta. It is Busquets, Coque and Pedri. And I mean, it's still pretty damn good. Um Busquets, he can't move much, but he doesn't seem to need to. He really pulled the strings, really was dominant again. And I I think he's a player that was probably underappreciated during the era of Xavi and Iniesta. I don't know if he's still underappreciated, but I think he certainly deserves a hell of a lot of praise. He was brilliant in this game and, and really ran the show from deep in midfield. I mean, he almost even scored a goal, which never happens. Are you Do you really just marvel at Busquets and how consistently excellent he's been and how great he was tonight? Yeah, I mean, we said it. We've said it a few times on this podcast already. You know, it's no surprise that Spain's uptick in form came when when he returned to the side. You know, um, mm. he he missed the first two games, and you know, Rodri is a, a really good player. I like him a lot, but he's no Busquets, not yet anyway. And just you know, he just reads everything so well. Like you said, he can't move, but he's in the right place. He knows how to receive the ball, when to pass the ball, when to break lines. He's got really deft feet um, to get away from people. And I just think he's made such a difference to Spain, um, not only for the side in general, but even that connection with Pedri. I mean, there were a couple of one-touch passes. There was obviously a, you know, an understanding between those two from their time at Barcelona. And I think... Um, as soon as he managed to get on the board, it was kind of curtains for Italy because you know they have Verratti and Jorginho who are no um, who are no low touch players, shall we say? They like to be on the ball, they like to spray it around, but they just couldn't get anywhere near Busquets. And I think um, you know seeing performances like tonight, like you said, he's not Xavi, he's not Iniesta, but he's still one of the all time great midfielders of of the modern era, and it, he was just a joy to watch, really. Yeah, I, I mean it. <laughs> It is incredible. I think when you watch these players who can just play for ages and, and seem to just be able to use their guile and their intelligence and their technical quality to stay at the top of the game, even when the physical side isn't necessarily there. A player who's right at the beginning of the game, though, for himself is is Pedri, and, and he's he's really something special. And the way he just looks to move the ball forward in the tightest of spaces, his close control and ability 
to to see the available space. I mean, that ball he puts in, I guess for Almo, and Almo has the bad touch. I don't know how he sees it, and there's really no room, and he's on the run, and he's he's crowded out by three Italy players or circled by three Italy players. That's a beautiful ball. It's a really bad touch by Almo there, but I just think another player who, if people weren't aware of him for his his exceptional performances for Barcelona, there there's no one he's going to be under the radar of now. That moment in particular felt pretty big in this game. Do you think um, that was a, a, as big a missed opportunity? I, I don't feel like it got talked about as much because almost first touch meant that it never turned into a chance, but it's it's a big chance, I think. I think it was o- Oyathabal, actually. Was I don't think Oyathabal, it was Olmo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and actually, he was kind of wasteful the whole night, to be honest. I thought yeah, there were really a couple was. of chances. Yeah, there were a couple of chances that fell his way, and he kind of ballooned them into the air. It was first touch wasn't quite right. I mean, that whole passage of play, Pedri carries the ball. Like you said, there's like four defenders around it, but he can, he can find the pass through through the eye of a needle and it's just I don't know he didn't quite have his feet sorted in time when he was going through on goal because the run was excellent mm-hmm. um, he completely blindsides Emerson you know Emerson has absolutely no idea where Oyathabal is you know what he um, needs he needs that, he, that Benzema touch the one where he kind of yeah, drags it exactly, into the ground from exactly, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well not everybody can do that so no, unfortunately for Spain um, I mean I don't know if that was a turning point Per se, I thought, I thought they were, Spain had a few more chances to maybe not look back on that one and be like, ah, you know. Um, but for sure, it was a big one. And I just think, you know, in that kind of left centre mid, eight, ten role, he, Pedri is just, you know, he, he, he's a marvel. He's 18 years old and he's playing like this in a, in a semi-final against Italy. I mean, it's just absurd. And... I'm going to give myself a pat on the back here because I'd written a couple of profiles about him when he was still at Las Palmas mm. for scouted football. Um, and yeah, I'm kind of happy that he's sort of being appreciated on a wider scale now because even at 17, he was just running things for Las Palmas and, you know, he's just an, an insanely talented footballer. Yeah, he's, he's really special. I mean, there was there there were some interesting moments for Italy, and some of them were of Spain's own making. What did you make of Unai Simone's goalkeeping? I mean, he he was doing a little of that excessive Manuel Neuer thing, <laughs> coming off his line over eagerly, and it just felt like he was flirting with calamity at various points throughout this game. Yeah, yeah, I agree, but that might have been the instruction. I mean, we because they were know. keeping that high line and pushing so far. Up the yeah, line. I think they just had to keep Italy as squeezed in as possible. But there were a couple of times where he really misjudged it. I mean, there was that one um, when Emerson got in down the side and he just came storming out, and I was like, Wah! I made like an audible noise because I could <laughs> see that you know Emerson getting closer to the ball and Unai Simon was absolutely nowhere near it. And thankfully, they managed to get enough bodies back. Um, actually, I think Barella kind of bottled the shot a bit. He tried to cut back inside and then it just crowded him out. So, you know, I think they kind of escaped with one there, but I think it, it must have been an instruction, but it's not easy. It's not easy to play that role because you need to be very decisive. You need to be good with your feet. You need to be, you know, quick as well. And I think um, even if it, it was kind of placed on him at the last minute, I don't think he looked entirely comfortable um, even though he kind of uh, justified his selection again in the penalty shootout. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he really did. And then there there were moments. I mean, look, Italy did wind up taking the lead. I think 
This is always hard for me with games like this. I have to admit this is sort of a weak point in my analysis, and people are saying one of many. But when teams play on the counter and get pushed back, sometimes I don't give them credit because I don't, you know, I think there's something to be said about being the team that takes the initiative, pushes a team back, forces them into their defensive third. Sometimes it's a plan. Sometimes playing on the counter is a plan. Sometimes it can be kind of like the Arsenal-Liverpool game from the late part of this season where, where you just get pinned back and there is no out ball. But to Italy's credit, even if they were pushed back deeper than they may have liked, they did look threatening on the counter. I mean, do you think, again, even though it may not, be, may not have been the plan to be pushed back that much, that still their threat on the counter and their ability to look dangerous going the other direction meant that you know the, the game was never totally one-sided it never felt like Spain were totally comfortable because of that high line because of some of their defensive frailties and and Italy's really effective counterattack. yeah yeah for sure I mean I don't think it was the the original plan but they kind of adjusted when Spain took the initiative mm-hmm. um and as you mentioned with with guys like uh Lorenzo Insigne Federico Chiesa even Barella coming in from deep you can always be a threat on the counter-attack and there was just a few moments when you think to yourself, oh, is it, if this final ball was just a little bit better, or if they got if they got a bit lucky with a bounce or something like that, um, you could kind of see them still being dangerous and scoring. And, and obviously, they were the ones who who made the breakthrough. But I think with with those kind of players, you know, direct outside to in, um, you know, midfield runners from deep, they were always going to cause Spain problems, even if maybe they weren't as dominant during the game as they had been uh, in other games during the tournament. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, I think both sides squandered some pretty good positions. Um, in terms of the goal, Chiesa's been brilliant in this tournament. He's brilliant mm-hmm. on the goal. I don't know if you saw it. I tweeted it out. But, like, there's a picture of a cat in snow that looks like he's yes. about to take, the like, the perfect curled shot. Yeah, and yeah, if you, yeah. If you look at Chiesa's body shape when he strikes that, I mean, the, the two, you could overlay the two on top of each other. It'd probably be absolutely the same design. I mean, uh, it's a lovely strike. It's good play from him in general. He he just looks so dangerous all the time. He actually kind of drifts from the right side over to the left for that one. But, you know, he's a player that maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I, I haven't consumed every article about Italy, but in a tournament where I've seen a lot of players praised, I mean, maybe he's one who deserves a little more focus. Uh, what did you think of him in general? But I mean, that that goal, it's, it's just another great, piece of skill and, and technique from him. Yeah, yeah, I really like him. I think he's Why don't we he's hear just more so about direct. Him? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was kind of at Fiorentina for a few years and they were asking for a lot of money and then they did a really shady deal kind of with Juve because um, they had a really bad season and Juve kind of poached him. Um, but he was really good last season. He was one of their bright sparks actually under Andrea Pirlo. And he's just kind of unique because he's so direct and he's just always looking for the goal. Um, and I think that's such a unique trait. I don't think many players have that. And, you know, with, with speed like he has, with direct dribbling and, and you know, he's strong as well. He can really hold himself against defenders. And I really just love his, his all-action intense kind of style. Um, I think every front line kind of needs a player like that. And you mentioned it before, he just took the goal so brilliantly to compose himself and then find that corner. I mean, he literally hits the side netting mm-hmm. um, and it's such a good finish. And, you know, we saw him score a really nice goal against Austria uh, when he took it down well and then fired it in with his left foot. And I think this strike was just every bit as good as that. And, 
you know, he's finally kind of maturing into into the player that many uh, initially thought he would be. Yeah, I, I, I've been super impressed. I mean, I think the interesting thing with Italy is because there's a lot of players that play, well, in particular in Serie A, which I feel like from scrolling through social media and reading articles, not a lot of people are watching a lot of Serie A because <laughs> there's, there's an attitude like, you know, these are unknown or unheralded players. There was an article written talking about their journeyman midfielders that have no stars in it. And I'm like, well, first of all, Jorginho just won the Champions League with Chelsea. So you don't even have an excuse there. Verratti is one of the stars of, you know, one of the big spending clubs in the world. Uh, Locatelli is is a name that everybody be familiar with. I mean, there's they're leaving players out every game that are star mm-hmm. midfielders. So I don't know where that's coming from. It does feel like if not an unheralded team, an underheralded team in some ways. I mean, is it possible that the level of talent that this Italy team has has just been undervalued because they're players that aren't, you know, in the hashtag greatest league in the world, <laughs> you know, in in, yeah, in, in, in I mean, Italy. <laughs> potentially, potentially. I mean, a lot of people maybe didn't expect Italy to be this good. Um, I know I didn't, even though I know they had a very strong qualifying campaign. But, you know, like you said, if you go from from top to bottom in that team, they have kind of uh, seasoned veterans who have won everything. They've got some great young players. They have, you know, league winners in in Barella. And, you know, they have pretty much everything you'd want in that squad. And I don't know if it was um, underestimation or just kind of blissful ignorance. But, you know, this team is a is a stunning squad. And and we've slowly seen that throughout the tournament. And I think Mancini has actually managed them really well, not just his kind of key guys, but knowing when to rotate, who to bring in. And yeah, I just think they've been really fun to watch. I've really enjoyed watching them. And, you know, it's going to, I think they've deserved their place in the final on the whole, even maybe if they were slightly fortunate today. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of, you know, whether they're slightly fortunate today, were there some performances that stood out to you as being maybe less good for Italy players who might not be able to keep their place? Where did you think the weak points were in their performance? I mean, they got pushed back pretty good. So, you know, they'll, they'll want to look at why that was and why they weren't able to, to keep the ball more. But was there sort of a weak link in the in the group that you saw? Honestly, I, I, I didn't see a weak link. I think they all kind of played well enough. I thought Emerson did well coming in for Spinazzola because I know there were a lot of worries in that department, but I think he did fine, um, got forward well, um, defended fairly well, even though there were a couple of times when Oyathabal got in behind him. But, you know, it was just difficult. They'd been used to kind of dominating every game and Spain just said, no, we've got the ball today and you guys have to run around. So it, we kind of saw a different side to them. I thought, Immobile wasn't amazing. Uh, I thought he kind of faded in and out of the game, but I think in terms of him and Belotti, I still think he has the edge. So um, I don't think you could look at one player in particular and be like, "Oof, maybe you've uh, you've lost your place for the for the final." Because you know, Jorginho will be there, Verratti will be there if he's fit. I think Barella has to play because he offers something different. So I think they were they were largely fine. I think it was more of Spain being really impressive, actually. Mm. Um, and I think they... With a system they were, that was uh, maybe un- unexpected, fair to say? Who, who was Spain? Spain? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without the striker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, in a way, that I think that... You talk about Oliathabal, we're going to go with that pronunciation, I guess, um, being wasteful. 
you know, it is interesting with, with Olmo dropping in and playing that false nine and pulling players out of position for Italy. It was Oliathabal, I think, that was a, a beneficiary of that in some of the mm-hmm. space he was able to get into. And it just wasn't his night. I mean, is that a player that maybe should have been switched earlier or what, maybe not, not picked at all? Why do you think he, he got the call? I'm not sure. I mean, they, they've played with this kind of false nine a few times and they like Oyathabal because he can create and score. Um, he's kind of one of those players that uh, kind of will end up with 10 goals and 10 assists in a season, for example. He's very even, uh, very well-rounded. And I think, you know, I really like him as a player. I think he's really talented. I know Manchester City have looked at him a couple of times, but I just think his finishing was was a bit rash and a bit, uh, you know, a bit rushed today, which is kind of unlike him. But I thought Danny Olmo was excellent actually today. I thought he was kind of, um, I mean, they were kicking him every five minutes to try and stop him. So, I mean, that mm. that's one of the biggest compliments Italy can pay. He was, you know, getting into some really dangerous areas, drifting in from the left, picking up central positions. So I kind of think the system worked and actually the effect that it had to bring on Morata, a more recognised striker, kind of shocked uh, the back two in particular. I didn't think they were ready for him and his energy. And obviously we saw with the goal, um, it looked like Chiellini was running back with a fridge, you know, tagged onto him. So, you know, I think overall the the plan worked and knowing when to bring on Morata worked as well, even though obviously I'm sure we'll come on to it. He <laughs> he didn't quite have the, you know, the final product to, to see them through at the end. That was such a satisfying goal, though. I love those, the one-two with the forwards exchanging yeah, yeah, passes yeah. like that and, and then giving the, the goalkeeper the eyes. And just yeah, it was a lovely finish, brilliant yeah. finish. Really, yeah. really nice move overall. There were some changes that surprised me. Were you surprised to see Koke come off when he did? Um, I don't know. I mean, he's played a lot of football. Was um, he just had a Moreno re- came on for him, I think. Or- yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's had a long season with Atletico. They just won the league. He's played in pretty much every game for Spain during the tournament. So maybe he just wanted to try something different. I'm not sure. Um, I think with Pedri and Busquets in the midfield, he kind of had enough anyway. Um, and then he brought on Marcos Llorente to kind of play right back slash central midfield. So. You know, I wasn't overly surprised. I think in these games, you kind of have to try and do something different um, to try and maybe shake things up a bit and just give your team a little something extra. So, you know, it, it's tough. The managers have some big decisions to make and not a lot of time to do it. So um, I, w- I don't envy them because I would, I would not like to be in their position. Yeah, well, I think Enrique deserves credit because he came up with a system that really unsettled Italy, I think confused them, had their players out of position at times and allowed them to dominate. I think Mancini deserves a lot of credit, not just, you know, because he got him in the final, but um, he went through that awful experience of nailing his colors to the mask. He he makes the subs to try to see it out at 1-0 and mm-hmm. then gets pegged back and then has to try to find a way to get some control of the game back, some attacking presence back. That's really tricky, isn't it? When you've done that, when you've sort of, made your decision to take off the more attacking influences to, to hold on to the lead. And, uh, and then you lose the lead. That's, that's gotta be pretty tricky. And I, I don't know that I love the players he brought on. I don't, I don't particularly understand the Bellotti thing. Do you want to explain, explain him to me as a player who doesn't particularly impress me? No, I mean, his goal scoring record is not that bad. I mean, he's, he's not amazing, but he's not terrible either. He's been fairly He missed a pass that he did at the end. I mean, yeah. yeah. And it's, look, I couldn't have done it, but 
it was he's got the whole pitch to play him into. He manages to hit the back foot of one of the central defenders for Spain instead. That's that's a bad miss, isn't it? In terms of just putting yeah, the player I mean, in. He, he had so much space to kind of mm-hmm. curl that into, especially with Berardi. He was leaving, I'm not sure, I think it was Jordi Alba. I mean, he, Jordi Alba was just completely dead at that moment and Berardi had so much time and space. Um, and all you have to do is kind of curl it around the defender. and He just put no whip on it whatsoever. I mean, you talk about the cat picture. It was the complete opposite of what Chiesa did. For the, yeah, yeah I mean, was, um, talking about players that maybe didn't really impress in substitute appearance, I think there are people that look at Spain and say, how does Thiago Alcantara not get on the pitch for them? It wasn't a great appearance for him. Um, I think 64% pass completion, didn't really look at it. What do you make of Thiago's contribution? He, he you know, tucks away his penalty nicely, but apart from that, a pretty poor um, cameo from him in in a moment where I think he had a chance to say, look, I, I, bl- I should be one of the first names on the team sheet. Certainly didn't look like that. Yeah, um, I don't think he was great. I think he, first of all, he came on very late, so it's yeah. difficult to impact the game when you kind of come on at that stage. You're kind of just being there for an extra body, some fresh legs, and I guess with penalties in mind, he was kind of there um, for that reason. But the thing with Thiago is I think a lot of managers are realising now that he's quite a difficult player to fit into your system. Bayern were very lucky in that they kind of dominate every single game or 90% of their games every season. So they could afford to have him basically strutting around in the centre circle, doing his fancy passes and line-breaking through balls and stuff. And they were never really challenged. But I think, especially now that we've seen him in England, it's becoming increasingly difficult to kind of work around these guys and players like Thiago. So I think he'll be reporting back to pre-season with a slight concern uh, in the back of his mind because... We know what Jurgen Klopp's like. We know that it wasn't the easiest season for him in the Premier League last year. So I think in terms of him and his skill set and his development, he needs to find a way to become more maybe rounded. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the right word, but I just feel like, I mean, the, the talent is there. You can't deny the talent. He's been doing it for years for Barcelona, for Bayern Munich. Um, but I just feel like the modern game has kind of passed him by a bit, and I think he needs to to reinvent himself to try and make himself more uh, accommodatable for more managers. Yeah. Well, as we start to sort of turn the page on this and look forward to England, Denmark, the the couple of last things here. I mean, the penalty shootout, you know, mostly good, obviously, early, early bad start, uh, two missed penalties to get it started. But at the very end, that Jorginho penalty, that that technique... I just, I feel like if you are confident at doing it, it can't fail. I, I mean, look at what it does to S- Simone. It just totally freezes him. I had flashbacks to watching Petr Cech try to save penalties. One of the saddest things I've ever seen. Um, that that's a hell of a technique, isn't it? If if you have a if you have the courage for it, Oof, I would be nowhere near that. I would be absolutely nowhere near that technique. I'm very much a proper run up guy. Get it low and into the corners. I mean. Just imagine slipping at that moment or not hitting it right or hitting it off your left foot onto your right foot. And it's just, you know, is it worth it for me? But I guess his record kind of speaks for itself. He's he's always been prolific from penalties and, you know, to have the balls to do that in the, in the last kick of the game to win it. And as you said, Simon kind of dives, but doesn't dive. He, he just kind of lost in the middle of the goal and he just slots it into the corner. So... I mean, fair play to him. He's mastered that technique. And 
as you said, we've seen it with Bruno Fernandes, you know, uh, it's so difficult to read them with that little jump and they can kind of just look at the goalie and, and put it in the other corner, basically. So, but I will say uh, Bernadeschi's penalty was absolutely brilliant as well. And I was thinking, oh, he looks a bit nervous here, but I think he did a brilliant job. He just kind of Van Persie styled it like into the top corner. Um, but yeah, Spain obviously obviously didn't have the the minerals and I feel quite sad for, for Morata. Did you, by the end of this, did you feel that it was, I mean, I always hate to say this because a team that wins deserves to win. Did you feel that it was a harsh result for Spain? I mean, were they, for you, good enough that this that they should have been the one going through or is it a simple case of Spain's weakness kind of came to the fore, which is we've always known they can control games. Did they have the players that could, you know, put the, the final ball in the back of the net to mm-hmm. cap off that that possession dominance. And I know it sounds weird for a team that scored five goals in consecutive games, but on the days it's going right, great. But we saw at the beginning of this tournament, the team can dominate without putting it in the net. And it, it kind of came back to bite them tonight. So do, do you think they were unlucky and unfortunate, or is this sort of them in a nutshell? I thought they were unlucky, actually. I don't think by any means it was a one-sided game. I thought Italy definitely had their moments... Um, it was a really enjoyable game for me to watch, even though it was low scoring. I really enjoyed the quality, the kind of tactical battle, um, the talent on display for both teams. I, I thought it was really fun to watch as a neutral in particular, but I just felt like Spain edged it. Um, I thought they had the better possession. I thought they fashioned the better chances on the whole. I thought they played better during the 120 minutes. But, you know, as we know with penalties, it's kind of, can you keep your your bottle and your metal in those moments and and unfortunately uh, they couldn't do it so I mean that's just how it is you um, you live and die by those moments and unfortunately they they were ended up in a in a sour situation but it's what we said with Murata it was we kind of had him in a nutshell in this game he came on made an incredible impact you know was looked full of energy showed why he can be such a threat you know he's six foot three he's quick he can head the ball he can finish on both feet but just in those big moments do you fancy him i i never feel like you know like he can deliver i mean i know he's he scored some big goals in the past and specifically in the champions league but i don't know i just get such a strange feeling from Morata. i would never uh bank on him to deliver in the t- in the big moments and you know, even though it, was, it wasn't a particularly bad penalty, you know, you guess the right way there and it's going to be saved. It wasn't hit with any real conviction. It's just so unfortunate. He had just, he had just silenced his critics, right? He, he'd yeah. just given himself that, that, I mean, that bit of, of, of grace from, from the, really, I mean, let's set aside, look, forget the, the awful, you know, harassment of his family even just the mm-hmm. normal within bounds criticism that he's faced he'd he'd given himself some kind of of relief from that and then just to go ahead mm-hmm. and throw it away by missing the penalty and he's not the only one who missed the penalty but of course he's, no, no, he's no. the one that's of going course. to be remembered for it mm-hmm. yeah. i think it's very easy to get caught up in the narrative i mean i don't think he's anywhere near as bad as some people say um but you you know you can't really argue that he's lacked killer instinct uh, throughout his career. So, you know, it's just one of those things, isn't it? It is just one of those things. So now um, Italy just sort of putting a a sort of coda on the tournament they've had as they head to the final, a a team that has 
deserved it, certainly. I mean, maybe not today specifically, but they have been really one of the most impressive teams in the tournament. They went to the semifinal missing one of the players that's been their most exciting in Spinazzola. They, they come through it brilliantly. Mancini does a nice job navigating a tricky game, and they hold their medal for the for the penalty shootout. A lot of talent in, in really all departments. Keeper, backline, midfield, maybe not quite the firepower up front, but certainly enough. They're going to pose a, a really interesting challenge to Denmark or England, and I think it'd be interesting because you know, they, no one has really seemed to be able to handle the directness with which they counter and the way they, they're able to play back to front when they regain the ball. If England are to come through this, do you have an early sense of how you see that game going if they represent a, a bad matchup for England or, or a matchup that England can handle? I mean, I don't know. I think it's so difficult to kind of make those predictions because... We don't know how they're going to play in the semi-final. I mean, what system they're going to go with, uh, who's going to be injured. So, I, I mean, it's almost impossible to tell. I think over the over the the whole tournament, I would say they've probably been the best team, Italy. Um, I know England have been really impressive, Spain as well. And we had a couple of dark horses. But I think on the whole, I think they've been the most complete team and they deserve to be in the final um and as you mentioned they can kind of go any way they want with squad depth and a few exciting options up front so you know even they weren't exactly dark horses but they weren't favorites either and i think that's that position has kind of suited them because they've just gone about their business they had a couple of games at home you know getting the crowd behind them enjoying that home atmosphere and I think whoever it is, Denmark or England, will have their work cut out because, you know, this is a very experienced, talented, uh, versatile team. And you can never count them out because they've just got so much uh, sort of know-how and winning mentality in that side, even from Mancini, who's who's kind of been here, been there and done it. Yeah, I found them. I've just found them really enjoyable to watch. Um and I, and I think the games they've been in have just been really entertaining. I thought this was fully absorbing. It was not always tons of goal mouth action, but and it wasn't just the tension of it being a semifinal. There was a lot of good skill in this game. There were a lot of near misses. There were a lot of players put in, you know, on goal and and maybe not quite getting it right. But I, I just I thought it was a thoroughly absorbing game. Really enjoyed it. Um, I've enjoyed their journey in the tournament and. I look forward to the final in terms of tomorrow. I mean, we, we don't need to do a real preview. We haven't been doing that at all. But um, mm-hmm. England-Denmark, I think it'll be seen as David and Goliath a bit. It really isn't that. Is the talent closer? Or do you think it is fair that England are sizable uh, favorites for this game? I don't know if they're sizable favorites, but they'll be favorites for sure, just purely based on their stature as a nation and what they've been doing in the tournament. But I don't know, man. Denmark have a really promising bit of momentum behind them and you know that I think their players are peaking at just the right time and they'll fancy themselves really I honestly think they'll give England a go I don't think they'll be you know typically sitting back and waiting to spring I think they'll really have a go at England and you know I think it's going to be a close one my 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 hope is that England can edge it but I think it'll be by a one goal margin whether it's one nil or two one or something like that I don't think it's going to be a a foregone conclusion by any means yeah, well, it's going to be 
it's going to be a hell of a thing. We're going to try to do a live stream. But as I've said, I, I have no idea if I'll find anyone sober enough and whose nerves aren't frayed enough to do it on either side, on the Denmark or England side for that matter. But we'll see what we can come up with. Phil, it's been a pleasure. The journey uh, continues. England tomorrow. I wish you the best of luck and sanity uh, as, as you watch them try to make it to the final. And England, Italy, what a final that would be. So uh, we look forward to it. You can follow Phil on Twitter at underscore Phil Costa. Thanks, Phil. Cheers, thank you. I'm just about keeping it together here. It is hard doing these at this time of day. I'm I eye on the clock, got to pick up kids and take care, trying to get it <laughs> under the wire. It, I, I mean, I'm not doing the deadline thing like Big J journalist Phil over there, but <laughs> I'm so, I'm still feeling pressed for time. But but we got out just in time. This will be out uh, in time for me to go get my kids from daycare, which is everybody was worried about because uh, I'm a cool guy and I do awesome stuff. Uh, you can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner, but don't block uh, the beautiful Saka stuff that Brandon McKenna designed because it is sensational. Um, it is an image of a mythical, mythical being with immense power and also an inflatable unicorn. You can go to arsenalvisionpodcast.com, check it out at shop. Okay, uh, we'll get out of here. There'll be more tomorrow, maybe a live stream, definitely a post-match show, and then more to follow. Um, and if we sign a player, we'll do something around that on the Arsenal side. So until then, there aren't many of you left, but if your team is still in it, then wherever you are and whoever you support, it's coming home. It's coming home.